We're back. We're back. I'm back. It's a distraction. I'm through. That's Roth. Howdy doody, Roth. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? You look well. People can't tell because the podcast is not a visual medium. Drew is a deep, rich tan right now. <laughs> I got, I got burned, and I. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing That's my. What I meant. There's nothing my wife. There's nothing my wife loves more than telling me I got a sunburn. Like I come back from the beach, and she loves to like gas and like. Oh, oh, you got some color. <laughs> oh, who's a naughty little boy? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to get cancer and die. I'm trying not to, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a similar treatment. I'm not really like super built for outdoor use in that regard. And so like it doesn't take a lot for me to get like a weird, poorly distributed sunburn where I kind of look like a <laughs> like tie dyed, I guess. Like, if I'm, like, sitting in a weird position on the beach reading a book for 45 minutes, I'm going to come out of it looking like a batik. It's not what you want. Yeah, I got, like, uh, when I was, you know, when I was, like, a teen, you know, we went to, like, Florida or something, you know. You're at the age where people were like, oh, you got tan. Like, that's a good thing. And now, like, I come back and it's just gasped. Like, oh, you got some color. Yeah, that's Ooh, not, oh, you're going to want to get that looked oh. at. You look excellent. You failed to respect the sun. So how was uh, how was your beach experience, man? I went to I went to Charleston, South Carolina, more specifically Folly Beach, which is right outside of uh, Charleston. And I was like, like the inner like foodie hipster in me was like, oh, we're going to Charleston and we're going to have like fancy oysters at Husk or something like that. We had none of that shit. Like I, like <laughs> the the fanciest thing I had were like I don't like I think I had like. Tacos, which you don't go to Charleston for fucking tacos, man. Yeah. That's not the point. So, but I, uh, I did, I did fine. I went to like, I went to one, like really highly esteemed barbecue place there, and I was actually, I was underwhelmed. And I'm not going to name the place because all the people will yell at me about it. So I didn't. I'm not going to do that. I like the sauce though, so they can be happy about that. Did you? Were you in fried seafood mode the entire week? Is that the the move? I was. I was super horny for fried seafood. And I think I had like some fried shrimp or something like that, but I failed on like the like fat fried oyster front or like something or like you know or like a, a fried clams or something like like there's some places that had like f- clam strips and those are bullshit. Never ever order. Cl- I like fried them fine, but strips. if you told me there was no clam in them, I would be like, oh, all right. Like, cause I'm just basically, yeah. I just want to like feed one crispy brown niblet into my mouth after another. That's the whole idea. Yeah, they're fried rubber bands. There's no, there's no, there's no brininess or because yeah. I so like the I'm belly? still trying to, I'm still trying to get over like my need to be a food tourist places I go because first of all I have three kids so and they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Secondly, like like you know, and I'll I I've written about or I will have a book out about this, but I I lost some of my uh, taste buds uh, when I got my accent and cochlear implant surgery and stuff like that. So things don't quite taste the way that they used to to me. I've gotten over that. But, like, I don't, I shouldn't have to have that food angst that, like, people, like, like yuppies get now. Like, you go, you go to, like, the, the, the fancy town and you have to have, you have to have the coolest thing there. Yeah. Like, you got to stand in line for the fucking Instagram cronut and all that shit. And I, I, I am slowly getting over that and just not doing it anymore. Cause the best thing I had, by far, when I was in Charleston, it was a key lime pie I bought at Publix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will not be surprised to so, learn that uh, Kate and I are 100% the unbearable, yuppie buttheads that you were describing there. And we were actually 
the the basically the week that everything shut down in 2020, we were booked to go to Charleston and go to all those restaurants. Like we had reservations, we had like the hotel was nothing fun. It was like, you know, like a holiday in express under a highway. And we were like, it's fine. We'll just walk one mile to dinner every night. That's fine. That's our deal. <laughs> and we were real excited about it. And it was like just a reminder of like how quickly all that shit went where we were like rationalizing whether we could go yet. And we we're like, well, there's been no cases there. We don't really know. But is it unethical for us to like that was like the Tuesday before like our Friday flight. And then like by, you know, by the late at night on Wednesday, we were like, that was terrible. Like we almost created a super spreader event because we wanted to have crab. <laughs> like we need to not do this. I, I ate my first indoor meal in over That's a year. Fantastic. I took my sons. We went to a place and, uh, and we asked for seeing on the roof. But they said, well, it's cold and we don't have the heaters out yet. So you have to eat inside. And I looked at the boys cause I'm partially vaccinated. My boys aren't obviously cause they're little boys. And so I was like, and they're very like, my oldest son is like very, very cautious about COVID because, you know, he's right in the sort of age range where that's a very, that's going to have a very big impact on yeah. you. And I said, are you guys okay eating inside? And they both said, yeah, we're cool with it. It's all right. So we sat down because all the tables were spaced apart. This is South Carolina. Masking was not like a huge priority among the patrons at this restaurant. Yeah. And I have to tell you that I was fine. Well, I you're was close fine. to it, being... You know, inoculated, not to put your business in the street. Well, so that's good. Well, that, that, well, that's the other thing too is that it's so it's such hypocrisy because I was a pandemic cop for so long. Like if people weren't wearing masks, I was like, shame, shame. We know your name. Yeah. And of course, now I'm I'm not even all the way vaccinated, but I'm like, well, I'm bulletproof. So fuck everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm a few hours away from exploring that mentality and seeing how how it plays on me. But it's tough, man. I feel the like I've been thing- on e emotionally for like a really long time and like physically like it's just fucking exhausting so even knowing that there's the possibility of that like it'll be a minute before i want to eat in a restaurant i think but like knowing that i theoretically could in you know whatever five weeks is like i'll fucking take it that's fine yeah the the other thing was that like i know you and i have talked about this and i've talked to my other friends about this when i was like yeah, after the pandemic, like, I'll probably wear a mask, like, on flights or, like, in, in big places. And I realized, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, the second the CDC says, you don't have to wear a mask anymore, I'm going to fucking burn it. I'm never going to wear it. Yeah, I feel like it depends. Like, I, on an airplane, like, I don't feel like it's going to make my experience of being on an airplane significantly worse. Because, like, unless, like, the mask somehow has the power to make the person sitting behind me uh, kick my seat harder. It's just like, it already sucks. So it's just a way to keep, <laughs> keep some germs out of my uh, mucous membranes. But yeah, like I'm... Right, it can't... It can only get... Like you've reached, you've reached peak hell when you're already on the aircraft. Right. So it's not like... It's not like you're. It's not like there's any more degrees of shittiness you can jam. Yeah, like up. it's not making the Oban pan in the airport $2 more expensive per item. I definitely noticed too, like, cause I, you know, you, we wore masks in the restaurant when we weren't eating. Other people didn't, whatever. And, uh, and so I, I took the mask off to eat or I put the mask down and quickly realized that like the way I eat, the mask becomes a bib. Oh yeah. Almost, I had like, that instantly. with, uh, in, <laughs> in Maine last summer eating stuff outside, uh, like realizing at one point that just a little dollop of crab had fallen into the basket created by my mask. And I was like, just take it all the way off. How hard is that? Somehow too hard for me to have thought of it before I got crab in my mask. Yeah, like I ate like a little bit of like beef out of like the like the lint of the mask. I was like, (laughs) it's like after it's like 
It's like bonus food after flossing. You're like, ooh, there's some good shit in there. Yeah. Like, oh. That's probably how like uh, Charlie Blackman or Jason Worth feels when they find a bit of cake in their beard. Uh, you want to talk about sports? Sure. We could actually talk about sports. Uh, uh, the first thing we need to talk about, I would like to talk about uh, Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game, which was supposed to be in Atlanta. And listen, I, got, I cannot put the quotation marks in Atlanta. Yeah. I can't make them large enough because Atlanta... <laughs> the whole point is to, that it's not in Atlanta. That's why that stadium it exists. Is, <laughs> yeah, it is insanely not Atlanta. It's just disgusting. It's like they may as well have moved it to fucking Mars. They wanted to not be in Atlanta so badly. Anyway... Uh, because of the Georgia voting laws, uh, that essentially I, I and I, 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 sorry if I get this wrong, but you you need a, a driver's license in Georgia to vote now because they were so pissed that Georgia flipped to Biden and flipped the Senate that Brian Kemp was like, you know what, we're not going to have that no more. You're yeah. going to have to actually show us some identification because we want real votes to count. There's been a real I don't know funny like bit of rhetoric around that too. Like Trump was on TV yesterday talking about it and. He always finds a way to say things like dumber and more clearly than anyone in his party could. And his is just like, if you look, we have we have more people. We have more people. And I mean, that's like, it's not true. Like you, they lost because they didn't have right. as many people yeah. voting for the candidate. But at the same time- A lot time, of people angry. But the, a lot of them. The way they talk about it is always like, like, look at us. We're not a blue state. Come on, look. Like, this is like, we have a bog. <laughs> we have like traffic. Right. Does that look like something that yeah. New York would have? Yeah. Would the state that have Stone Mountain ever improve? <laughs> yes. We don't think so. Well, when, you, when you put it like that, it's a fair question. But it's also like, at some point, like that rationalization of just being like, like, but look at what an asshole I am. How could I live in a state that has like a Democratic majority in it? Like, it's, you know, that is not going to play if you have any insight. But if you don't have any insight and if you fight the idea right. of insight to your last fucking breath, then yeah, like you can pass a law that like basically reinstates the poll tax but calls it something nice. So here my my question to you is as the baseball knower. So they moved it to Denver and it was like the rare time that Rob Manfred actually did something socially conscientious. And you know it was for money anyway. Yeah. Um and then the Braves put out a bitchy statement like, well, this could have been a really good time for us to talk about the issues, but you had to go and leave and be so mean about it. And the people of Atlanta who uh, don't live in Atlanta are very, very mad about yeah, it. The people so, in Atlanta uh, who are 35 miles away and can't get here on mass transit are presumably extremely disappointed. So then uh, my question to you is, because it seems like that is, um, that is I, in my lifetime, the experience has always been that the change only happens when the money gets pulled out. It's the, yeah, right. It's certainly um, sports-driven change for all the rhetoric. That's a hundred percent it. I agree. Yeah. So that so then like Coca-Cola and, and Delta both put out because they're both headline coordinate land. They were like, "Ooh, we don't, we're not sure we like these new laws." And then you know, like Mitch McConnell was like, "Well, let me just put on my full daily hypocrisy suit and say <laughs> that, so that they that Coke should stick to Coke." Unless they're donating to my campaign. It just says it all out in the it's open because people are so used to him I, I, being just a complete bag I of shit. I was honestly proud of him for that one. <laughs> I feel like that was like a, a really nice moment for Mitch. Because like, he's, yeah, not, yeah. he's not a great talker. Everything's just a wink. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, in not. that case, it was definitely him like trying on sort of like that like Trumpian, just like not distinguishing between the idea of a quiet part and a loud part. 
just like saying all of it and being like, and that's and that's the the truth with Mitch McConnell. <laughs> like, no, they're so used to the quiet part, loud thing that it's not even worth pointing yeah. out anymore. It's just it is also like we're we're not quiet about that. There's something really impressive to me about this, on top of of everything else, that like the Republican Party exists to serve to provide like white glove concierge service to companies like Coca-Cola and Delta, like big companies right. that just to make sure that they're, they're never inconvenienced. And they made right. themselves so fucking repugnant that even those companies that they like exist to grovel to are like, you know what? I really actually don't think I want like Marjorie Taylor green to bring me this favor, which is really impressive when you think about it, like how like, they've been building towards this for like generations at this point. Like, and I don't know what you choose instead if you're them. I guess it's just like, you know, small business fascists and like that type of uh, like whatever weird like exurban reactionary that looks at politics as like some combination of religion and sports. And you can win in a lot of states like that. I just don't think that like it looks so weird, I think, to normal people. And like that's not yeah because go ahead. I don't know that I should cast myself uh, as a well, normal person there. It's just like I can't even tell what they're doing. Well, that's the thing. I think there's two things. One is that the Georgia law made it implicit to me that that they can't win on fair terms. Yeah. They just they know that that's why it exists. They're despicable. Yeah, and so it's like the only way we're going to win is by by restricting people from voting and telling people that actually what we're doing is good because uh, we want only platinum voters voting. Yeah, and you know those are the people who vote best. And, uh, but then the other part of me, and all that's bad, the other part of me thinks that, like, if all they have to run on in 2024 is that, like, cancel culture is bad, that seems like, that seems like a pretty, a pretty thin case. And I'm saying that after Donald Trump was president for four years yeah. and, like, won. Like, like, if you're, if you already, like, resorted to Donald Trump being your standard bearer, that seemed, like, pretty low. Yeah. But, like... Compared to, like, what this is, like, this is nothing. No one gives a fuck about, like, whether or not Barry Weiss gets a better job than the one she has now. Right. Like, this you th- can't run on that in, like, Nebraska. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think you can run on, like, resentment. But, like, Trumpism without Trump is just being an asshole. Like, it's just being – and, like, to see all of these guys, you know, like, Tom Cotton and McConnell and, you know, like, just these, like, kind of, like, no-talent, medium-talent, like – politics lifer types like guys are just like bred in a fucking lab to like go to harvard and then like do some like weird hitch in the army where you get photographed a lot and then you're just instantly working for like the federalist society all those guys like they're mashing the button that trump used to mash but the treat isn't coming out that they're used to seeing happen there and so like what you get is like I mean, it's not like Trump knew what he was doing either. He was just like, he was sincerely like that. He was like one of the most famous Americans we had. And like, he really meant it. Like, he always was really upset about some shit that he saw on TV. Whereas like these guys, I mean, like, I'm not going to say that they're not uh, resentful assholes. Like, I'll take them at their word on that. I just don't think that there's any sense to me that like, like they can see the points of incoherence. Um, in a way that Trump never could, and also they can't sell. Yeah, it's almost bad that you see it as a strategy instead of being a genuinely dumb person Mm -hmm. who almost dies of coronavirus and learns literally nothing from it. Yeah, beyond that, like, he's a god. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. So it was like, yeah, to me, it's like, the other thing is that, and we're obviously we have we have completely failed in our attempt to make this a sports conversation. I mean, it's the all-star game. Like, if it was happening tomorrow, neither one of us would be able to care about it. 
Yeah, yeah. So I guess, all right, I'll get to my question, but I, I did want to point out that, like, I know Trump released some piddly shit statement where it was like, oh, canceled Coke or something like that. Yep. But now that he's not president, and especially now that he doesn't have the Twitter feed, like, in retrospect, I feel like him losing the Twitter feed is like one of the most important historic milestones yeah. of like my adulthood, which is insane. It really is. It absolutely is. But it, I swear to God, it's fucking true. My life is so much better without him online. And now that he's not online and he releases statements like that, I know he used to be president, but there's none of that. Like it just feels like he's just some chirpy asshole and ignoring him is so fucking easy. Yeah, it's now. like getting a text from someone you're not friends with anymore. Like yeah! Have, but he's got my uh, friend Patrick Monahan uh, has the metaphor that he came up with for those press releases is that like you have to imagine them coming from like inside of a closed box like just like a quiet voice being like <laughs> you just have to be like I'm sorry I can't what is it you're saying sir like I can't make that out Charlie Brown's fucking too yeah. alright so now I get to the question uh, you did trombone will it will it ultimately will it ultimately matter will MLB moving the all-star game A will it trigger more corporate sponsorships to pull out of Georgia, will it cause any, will it impact the Georgia law at all uh, and get them, and get Brian Kemp to reverse it? I assume that Brian Kemp is irredeemably evil and won't do anything, although we just had Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas veto the law that was going to outlaw healthcare for trans children. So... Maybe May- or not? Yeah, I mean, it'll. I think that remains to be seen. I think, I, as far as I understand it, the Arkansas thing could still be overturned by the legislature and might be. But I, in Georgia, right. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a bad situation for Kemp. Uh, like, I can't say that I feel badly for him, but like, nope. this is what it's going to take for him to win. It's like they basically, you know, have needed to do all kinds of shenanigans to even hang in there. You know, going back to 2018, and I don't see really any way that they can save face on this because like that's the whole of the party right now is like you never admit that you're wrong you never apologize you never change this is again like the trumpism without trump in it and yes i don't know that like delta and coca-cola are really like i mean first of all i'm not like comfortable depending on literally coca-cola to be like the voice of reason or good conscience in any, because it's like, yep, that's your only, that's only choice in America. Yeah, right now, I mean, that's like the know? part of it, what like really kind of brings home uh, how rotted all the the ostensible levers you're supposed to pull are. But like, to me, like I don't think that corporations should be dictating the direction of stuff like that. And yet, like it is as you know, as you said, it's the only thing that works. And I feel like sooner or later that pressure, like all of that, that sort of like suburban prosperity that is like the base of the Republican party in like, and around the big cities in the South, like it's created by companies like that, hiring these executives and like whatever paying them like as the last really economically secure people. If Delta is going to move its headquarters there and like sooner or later, like you're going to find yourself beholden to Delta. It's not something you think about when you're throwing them tax breaks to move there. But like, I don't know how Kemp resolves that. The good news is he seems like a really impressive man, and I'm sure he'll come up with something good. <laughs> I'm just excited for Trevor Bauer to boycott the All-Star game being in Denver, and he won't <laughs> play in it until they move back to Atlanta 
to make him. I feel happy. like it's one of those, yeah, like boycotting an all star game is the kind of thing, like the idea of, of whatever, all these like Tucker Carlson refuses to watch the all star game. Like, I'm not going to watch it either, and not for any principled reason. Like, right, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, because we're going to be like rewatching <laughs> The New Girl that night, and it's not like something that is going to take priority over it. <laughs> I, I like New Girl. I watched New Girl in the beginning. It's and funny. I abandoned it, and I swear to God, this is true. I stopped watching it after uh, after an episode where they all rapped. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I I might have just completely blocked that from my mind because I think of the show yeah, very the fondly. First. But if someone was like, "You remember the episode where they all rapped?" I'd be like, "That's you must be talking about a different TV show." Because I liked this one. I liked the show, and I thought all the people on it would like move on to bigger and better things. But, like, Schmidt is now on, like, a shitty CBS sitcom with Cedric the Entertainer. I mean... And, like, I thought, I thought Jake Johnson would be, like, a movie star and stuff, but he did, like, Let's Be Cops, like, right yeah. <laughs> like at the exact wrong time to do a comedy where you're going to cosplay as cops, like, in a, in a fun, zany manner. I think I, I still have a long position. That is 100% right. I have a, a long position on him, though. I think he'll be all right. Like, he seems like a star to me, and he's stayed working and stuff. The weird one is that this Zoe is D doesn't really seem to be doing anything anymore. She just married her like yeah. property brother guy, and she's hanging out. I remember when Gawker got her like tax returns and and like, got her income, and I was like, "Wow, she makes three million a year. Good for you, Zoe." Yeah. But I'm like, to I'm be sure whatever house this? she owns, I'm sure whatever house she owns costs like double that, so she can't actually spend any of the money she made. <laughs> not me though. Uh, I don't even own a home. That's yeah. Uh, can we talk about baseball? Because it's a yeah. yeah. There's actual we baseball. Had, you had yes, you had. Actual baseball has begun, uh, and the funny thing is that so there were there were these rules in place, and you can you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but they were going to ease restrictions on teams so long as 85 percent of them have been vaccinated, and I believe some of the some of the teams have not met that threshold. Correct? Uh, yeah, I mean. I think it's a question of whether they've reported it or not. So, like, some teams, the Cardinals, uh, who would not have been my bet for the first team to meet the threshold, did announce that they had met it. And right. But right now, it's still kind of in this period where the league is having teams watch, like, an educational video that's sort of like, what is a vaccine? Is it going to, like, make you, uh, like, really effeminate? Like, here's a Mets slugger Pete Alonso to tell you no. And, like, so they're, they're working on it. But I think that, like, my guess is that they will get there. Like, some players have talked about getting it. But it's hard to, to see because, like, the, the line that the union has is that this is, uh, they encourage it strongly, but it is not mandatory. And so anytime you ask anyone, basically, for comment on it, they're going to say it's a personal choice, which is the union's line. Yeah, it's, but it's not a, it's that's a not a thing. good line. Like, you shouldn't be saying that. That's a weird thing because the union should be saying, yeah, we'd like to mandate it. It should be mandated nationally. Right. Um, but, you know, if the, the mentality, and you have to do this if you're a union rep, is that if you agreed to that, you, you're agreeing to something without getting anything in return, like just from a straight haggling standpoint. Yeah. And so they won't do that because it's essentially viewed more of a concession than a favor to the players, which it ought to be. And so it's, it's, in a, it's very weird gray area where it really should be supporting a mandate but they're not getting you know anything in return out of it except for like you know good health right. and no death um and there's and also so i i, I think you know, that's exactly correct i also think the issue and it's like unique to like pro sports unions is that like 
well, not entirely unique, but like some percentage of their membership are like the biggest fucking knobs that the country has ever produced. <laughs> and it's just really <laughs> difficult, I think, to get, especially somebody like, I mean, this is, I'm sure that's true in every, you know, union. I know that like I usually played that role in all the unionized shops that I was in, uh, but that like these people also have millions of dollars, right? And so like it's hard to. Right exert any sort of like leverage over them and so like that i mean that 85 percent threshold that the the league came up with is like it's high it's like higher than what they believe is necessary for herd immunity in the in the broader culture i think right isn't that like 70 percent? it is and we have to wait for uh kid vaccines to be approved before we yeah. can get there but i think in this case like getting a coherent message and pushing it is going to do a lot i think to like get us and get like mlb over that line and i think that like they will get there it's just like, it's weird. I mean, I, I wrote about this at the site that it's like, it feels like a little sort of metaphorical reflection of like where we are with the actual society that we've got, which is that like the 15% of people that like won't stop talking about like vitamin D and oil of oregano and like, you know, vaccines being like <laughs> fake and stuff like that basically oh. just have everybody else hostage. You know, because like you can't yeah. get them to like maybe they'll go along with peer pressure. It seems like that's happening broadly speaking in the culture, but like everybody else just has to listen to their shit <laughs> until then. Yeah, I know. I know. I was losing it the other day because I was like, I was a little, uh, a little, uh, a little jolly from my uh, party substances. Good for you. And I was like, you know what, Biden should do. He should have some sort of public campaign that uh, where you know he tells people that getting vaccinated is super cool. And I was like, I can't believe I just thought that. <laughs> I am the oldest, lamest, daddest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> I do like the idea of, like, Joe Biden being the guy that, like, pulls up the chair and, like, flips it around backwards and sits down on it. And it's like, you mind if I rap at you for a second, Mac? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on. We got to do this. Come on. Gotta, come on. You're going to do, you got to get the injections, party injections, and you're going to, and it's, <laughs> it's going to hurt, okay? But, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, whatever it is, like, the absence of a coherent message on it has been like really frustrating because like the, it, the whole like first year basically that this thing was going on, like it was like more than denial. Like it was just basically like the people in charge were worried that it was going to make them lose an election, which yeah, I think it, it did. And so they just didn't fucking it talk did. about it. And like, yeah. so I, st- I feel like we're still starting from zero in some ways where there's just like not a consensus that you would, ex- I mean like, so 560,000 people died, you know, like 900 people are dying every day. And there's still some disagreement as to whether the thing is fucking real or not, like is really disappointing. I think that the thing that has made it, I think the greatest selling point has been if you go to the vac sites or you talk to anybody who's been vaccinated, they are, or you see them online with their vax cards. Everyone who's gotten it is fucking elated. Yep. I haven't met a single person who got vaccinated and was like, you know what? I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish, I really wish I had just, I really wish I had if I could take vacated it back. my appointment. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. If I could have gone to Chick-fil-A and saying vaccinated, <laughs> but I think about it. Yeah. I also think it seems like, and you know, we'll see how I feel about this after I go to the, the big one at the Javits Center, but it also seems like a good and very, very rare opportunity for like the state <laughs> to flex a little bit and actually fucking get something right just by throwing money at something. Like apparently all the yeah. mass sites are like, absolute clockwork like you're yeah, in and yeah. out I, the one i went to was great yeah like i i like the idea of that like the chairs all arranged nice like, like the only thing they didn't have was like a candy dish because they don't want you taking your mask yeah, off to fucking eat but uh, 
Otherwise, they're all they're all pros. You should give By the way, a fun you want... size thing of Skittles and tell you not to eat it till you get outside. That's my compromise. <sighs> By the way, uh, I we're gonna take a break in a second, but I did want to acknowledge that my disowned son Sam Darnold was traded this week to the uh, the Carolina yeah. I was actually so we go- have going to ask you about that. I wasn't sure like what the right time would be. Uh, how, how, <laughs> how I how would handle it emotionally? How are you feeling about your boy leaving home? <laughs> I think it's clear that. Like just the past week alone, when I was on vacation, it like I think the Sam Darnold trade made it clear that Sam Darnold isn't really worth a shit. Like yeah. they only got a second, not even this year's second out of him. The Jets got that plus like a, I think a fourth or a fifth this year, and then another like late rounder the next year. Yeah. It is weird though. It's like they're they're fading him with that trade offer. They're basically like, yeah, we think yeah. that those picks will be like higher um after you spend a year with him as your quarterback yeah and those so the panthers are the only team that won the only team that won sam Darnold were the panthers and i don't really have much faith that they'll get anything out of them so i feel like donald has been rendered worthless that trade also renders teddy bridgewater worthless yeah. like he was a big free agent signing he was the reason they got rid of cam newton and he's essentially been he's officially a bust like it's it's likely that he won't, like, he's going to be traded. It's like he's going to be traded to a team that is not going to be 100% invested in him. And then, also, um, uh, the Niners traded the house to move up to the number three pick, which means that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't really worth a shit either. So we've had all this quarterback movement, and we've had that in the midst of Deshaun Watson uh, being held hostage by the Texans, but then being credibly accused of just some really horrific shit. Yeah. Um, by all these uh, massage therapists. And so now no one really knows like his situation. He may not even play football again. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I have no idea how that resolves, but I agree that like this is there's a real uh, glut of like low end obvious quarterback one types, and I don't know where they wind up either or what the future is. I feel like Teddy's best role is being like a really good backup on a team with an old veteran quarterback. I mean, that was clearly, you know, what served him well New in, Orleans, in yeah. New Orleans. And I mean, he would be a better starter for New Orleans right now than Jameis. And Jameis could be the starter. And Jameis is going to fucking suck. Yeah. Like, I, I can guarantee that. The Deshaun thing, I, I feel like everyone's hesitant to, to talk about it because <laughs> I we am. spent so much of this offseason feeling bad for him, right? And, and sort of and lamenting his situation. And people loved watching him play and thought he was a good guy. That's the key to it and then uh tony busby who i always mistake for jay busby from yahoo you know was sort of the shady sort of oily uh you know sort of like you know stop you lawyer. could see him being yeah yeah avenatti adjacent and all that stuff and i was like oh i don't know about this guy and then he brings forth you know all the cases and all of the testimony is so credible that it's like yeah no there's there's fire to the smoke and it's still taking the football culture too long to really talk about this in any sort of mature and straightforward clinical manner. Like, like Peter King didn't talk about it very well. Mike Florio was essentially doing posts where he was like trying to be Deshaun's like, yeah, it was like oppo unofficially. Yeah. Like his advisor and stuff. And I was like, this is very weird. And Florio only like this week after like the raw testimony came out, like uh, one of the women gave a press conference and stuff like that. You know, it was clear, like, he, it, he's traded, he's, you know, he shifted over to straight reporting instead of trying to analyze it in real time because it's too credible for him to be like, well, I don't know about yeah. this. Like, it, 
These are two dozen women accusing this man. And they're all, of, of they're doing all saying the same, the same thing. thing. It seems very clear that yep. like there's an MO at work here and like a pattern. Yep. Yeah, it's it's yeah. weird. I mean, so, I like it's hard to know what to say about it beyond that it's, you know, disgusting and and very bad. But like with him too, like I mean, there's like this element of like as you were saying, like the idea that everybody like thought he was a cool guy and he's a beautiful, you know, quarterback to watch. Like thinking about all the slack that that bought him and has, I guess, continued to buy him is like really, uh, I don't know, one to sit with. I'm not even really sure what to do with it. Well, that's the thing. I think people are afraid of the fact that they got him wrong, potentially got him wrong. I have to say that to be fair. Um, you know, and, and we're so vocally supportive of him throughout the first few years of his career, uh, you know, you know, to, you know, th- you have to acknowledge that you may have gotten that wrong. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that. It doesn't mean that he That's wasn't funny. screwed over by the organization. It just means that he's also bad. Well, what's funny is that, you know, the Texans could have traded him when he asked to be traded. And it, and it could have been, you know, they could have gotten something out of it and not, you know, had a situation where they have a starting quarterback they committed to, and he probably won't be able to play next year. He'd probably be on the commissioner's exempt list. And so they completely fucked themselves over by fucking him over because he fucked all these other people over probably. Terrific. So, I'm sure that there will be a yeah! uh, great deal of we, lessons we learned to... all around there. Everybody just really taking that as one to grow on. I like that we've taken every sports angle uh, this week and... Uh, just absolutely and flushed really... it down the toilet. We're back, yeah, baby. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now let's talk about NBA NCAA champion Baylor. Isn't that Ugh. uplifting? <laughs> we'll take a break and come right back with the fun stuff. We'll be right back. And we're back from break. And uh, for our special uh, our special guest this week for the fun bag and the guy of the week and debtor canceled, it's Defector Accomplice Thang. Say hi, Thang. Hi. Thank, Welcome how to our you? podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing. How? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm actually calling in from uh, from Sydney, Australia, this morning. So what? no a, shit. Yeah, what? it's a pleasure. Uh, do you live in Sydney, Australia? I sure do. Uh, what time is it in Sydney? Australia? I was going to ask too. <laughs> classic, classic power brain. Is it different there? <laughs> Uh, it, it is uh, approaching 2 a.m. in Sydney, Australia. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Such is my enthusiasm for Defector and the podcast. We should send you like a $100 gift card. To, yeah, that's like heroic. A, Thank you for doing or it. Or like a, you get a free kayak rental at Bondi Beach or something like that. <laughs> I, uh, thang, I was born outside of Sydney, Australia in Wurunga. So if you ever Wurunga. want to... We went back to my childhood house when I was a kid, and my mom said that like they used to like lift up the garbage can lids, and there were like tarantulas underneath. And I was like, I'm kind of glad you moved. Not a, I wish you had stayed long enough for me to get the accent, but I don't. I don't. I'm glad I don't grow up around horrifyingly uh, deadly creatures on a daily basis, just hanging around. On, uh, honestly, it's it's terrifying um, as a as an expat coming in, and uh, all the all the natives. Uh, do you tend to like to take the piss, as they say, and warn you about all the terrible creatures that they have lurking around every corner? How, I mean, I guess uh, it's, a, it's a classic bit to be like, basically everything here could kill you. But I don't know that I would be able to laugh at it with my whole heart. Because I'd be worried about <laughs> being killed by all the things that they were just describing to me. 
Uh, can I ask you how uh, the pandemic is down there? I mean, Australia handled it much better than than we did. Can you like go to a restaurant without a mask and shit like that? You sure can. Um, you can wow. go to a bar and stand at the bar. It is uh, it is tremendous. But at the same time, you know, we look uh, across the ocean there, across the pond, as it were, and are just utterly terrified. So um, it's uh, they they have done a good job locally. I will say that I, I feel very lucky to be here. Um, but at the same time, you know, you certainly uh, feel for, for the rest of the, the world as it is. Yeah, but here I am complaining about the specter of, like, box jellyfish, like, like, hanging out near me, like, when I'm in the ocean. Meanwhile, I live in a country that stole an entire year of life away from every citizen in attendance. Yeah. So. Like, that's like, definitely, uh, like, I guess if you stack that up against the fact that, like, kangaroos are actually very assertive and rude, like, we, we definitely have a, the shittier end of that deal i would say yeah i'm like oh there's so many deadly things in australia meanwhile there's like a mass shooting here like every other right? day yeah <laughs> like the scariest thing here is just like guys in fucking like baseball hats hey thang you ready for the guy of the week uh i sure am all right in honor of the in honor of the masters your guy of the week is two times masters champion jose maria olathabel do you remember <laughs> jose maria olathabel thang well i will say that uh Watching golf uh, for me growing up was uh, generally turning it on and then falling asleep about half an hour later. Yeah. So. Oh, but that's such you're, a clutch move. That's I was going to say, you're like well it. ahead of the curve. Like I didn't figure that shit out until I was in my 30s. Oh, it's, it's, so, it's so relaxing. Like just to, especially now during the pandemic uh, when you can't go. Like I, I will put on Golf Channel and be like, wow, look at all that grass. That looks really nice. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's and like there's like there's like coastlines for, and shit. It's fucking great. I think it's like programming for animals. Like the way that like there there used to be a show. I think this was an Australian show that was just like it was called like a dog's show, and it was like four dogs to watch on television, and it was like an hour long, and it was just dogs running around. Like to me, Ooh. that's kind of like golf is. You know, there's an element that organizes it around like whacking a ball, and like periodically you got to deal with like Bryson DeChambeau showing up. But for the most part, it's like a way to look at trees without having to go outside. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's cool. Yeah, it's like Sunrise Earth, except occasionally like an asshole hits a ball like every right? five. What I remember that's about cool. Jose Maria Olathabel is basically entirely limited to knowing that you said his name right. I love he's such a fun name to say. And he looks like such a chill person. He's probably not. But like he's always like he always looks very calm. And like he like you know Tiger Woods always has like a stone face when he's golfing, but it's always like you can tell he's just like one raging boiling nerve inside of his body. Whereas like Olathabel looks like he's just playing golf. Like like this isn't even a tournament. He's just like oh I won the Masters. Yeah, all the, the Euro nice. tour guys look really chill to me. I think they actually are. And then like all the American guys are just like SEC psychopaths. But yes, like, the guys from like the UK and stuff like definitely drink brews. Like that's yeah. not a like and that's like basically their their persona. Hey, you want to play dead or canceled thing? Uh, I'd love to. All right, here we go. You you have to tell me whether or not they're dead or they're canceled. If they're both dead takes precedence. You got that? Got it. All right, you're dead or canceled this week in honor of baseball season. Tom Seaver, is he dead or canceled thing? <laughs> oh boy. I'm gonna go with canceled. Mm. I'm sorry, Thang. That is incorrect. Tom <laughs> Seaver was actually a model citizen. He died of COVID oh. uh, during the pandemic. And so you don't have to feel bad about that. That's COVID's fault. But Tom Seaver, I don't believe, uh, and Roth, you would know better, 
Uh, did Tom Seaver ever do anything cancelable in his long and lustrous life and career? He was, I think, uh, so he had um, dementia at the end of his life. So I think there were some periods there where he was like weirdly belligerent in public and no one understood it and then later understood it sort of retroactively. That's dementia. Think, that, that, that doesn't count. Yeah, I think in general he was understood to be a pretty good dude. I know he spoke out against the Vietnam War when it was happening, when he was like a star athlete. And uh, then um, the tabloids in New York got so mad that they pushed him out of town. So uh, you got to say that uh, Tom Seaver came out better in that one than like, like no one remembers Dick Young. Uh, <laughs> he's probably that. both dead. He was certainly canceled. But like, yeah, Tom Seaver, everybody remembers fondly. <gasps> you want to answer some fun bag questions with us, Thang? Yeah, happy to. All right, here uh, we have a good one. Uh, this is from Adam. Adam writes in, there are guys, there are dudes, but what about bums? Who are the bums? Thang, are there any, are there any bums? bums in sports history that stand out for you yeah that's that's a great question um uh it it kind of calls back to was it was it albert's regular column about uh guys in the the nba or who are just, butt? yeah yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> bum bums do be butt it's true it is always a very polarizing piece yet no one argues that on the merits <laughs> Um, so off, off the top of my head, I, I mean, certainly I was a, uh, uh, soccer supporter, uh, growing up. Um, so there were some famously bad, uh, Liverpool teams for a while. There are mediocre, I guess. To Liverpool! <laughs> Ignore him. It's fine. Keep going. He just does that. Who was a bum on, who was a bum on Liverpool? Uh, I, I think after... Uh, there was a striker called, um, now, now you're just going to put me on the spot. Uh, just totally blanking. Um, you can make something up. Neither one of us knows. I think bum wise, I think it's like something worse than like, it has to be somebody that's kind of annoying and also vaunted. Like the first bum that came to mind for me was JP Lasman of the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> he and was a think bum. He, he wasn't even that bad. Like he was good enough to get the team six wins every year. He was just kind of obnoxious about it. And like, I remember he. Uh, well, I remember Merrill Hodge hated him because like he wore like sweatpants to a pre-draft interview, and Hodge felt like disrespected by his. Yeah, that sounds like clothing. a Mer- that sounds like a Merrill Hodge hangup. <laughs> and so you want to take Lozman's side, and yet like he made it impossible. That's like the bum magic. <laughs> like Jeff bum- George, I guess, also had that a little bit. No, he was too good. Like George was like, like George was obviously not a Hall of Famer, but like he did enough productive things at certain junctures in, in his career. Where I can't really. My my thing is that I think certain guys can be bums and and vice versa. Like a few years from now, like I'll be like, oh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, shit. I'm gonna <laughs> Some shitty quarterback. Give me the name of a shitty quarterback, and I'll tell you. Uh, like, like Trent, Trent, like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like Elvis Kerb, well, he was good. But like Trent Edwards was like not a very good player. And you could say at a time he was a bum, but now he's just a guy because he's old enough where I don't remember his bum, bumish qualities enough to relegate him yeah, to, you have to like You have to like look it up to be like, is Tim Couch a bum or a guy? Yeah. But yeah, like Brandon mentions in the chat, Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf is a fucking bum. That's yeah, real. He was a bum and he acknowledges he was a bum, which, you know, is. Very, uh, very noble of him to do that. Yeah. But like, also the other thing is that bum 
is such an old timey sports writer word that I like. Like, like if you had asked, if you had told me who's a bum like ten years ago, I would have been like, man, fuck you. I'm not Phil Mushnick. But yeah. now, like, <laughs> I have a certain because I am older and I've become those people. I like. I'm definitely like. I like the retro charm of calling someone a bum when they when they. It's suck. also credit to LeBron. I think like LeBron basically brought that term back into the lexicon because he called Trump a bum. Yes, he did. Which, which is, is true. An, an incredible thing to call a head of state to hit him with like a Bowery Boys insult. Be like, yeah, crumb bum. The guy's like, yeah, it's <laughs> nuclear codes. Uh, thang, this is from Will. He writes in, if you could choose any sports dynasty to go back in time and join, assumingly you magically get the requisite skills as well required, which one would it be? Steel Curtain Steelers, any of the Yankees dynasties, 90s Bulls, or do you choose a one-year wild ride like the 85 Bears or the 07 Giants? Thang, if you could have joined any sports dynasty or even a one-off championship team and been capable, which one would it have been? Well, um... You know, certainly uh, growing up for a time during the uh, the Bulls' reign in the in the '90s, uh, I think that would have been fun as a as a short guy who who can't shoot. Uh, that would have been a really interesting team to to jump on. I think a little bit maybe more recently um, that uh, Cinderella Leicester City run in the Premier League. Uh, oh, that'd be good. Jump, oh. Yeah. How fun would that be? And they they were proper drinkers as well. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, you have a good so, time. Yeah, That's... I think you put your finger on something really important there, too. Because, like, if they're having fun, then, like, that's, like, the 90s Bulls, like, it would have been amazing to be on a team that was that good. But, like, man, no one on that. That's, like, the one takeaway you can really get from The Last Dance. It's, like, nobody was fucking enjoying themselves. Yeah, because like, you just, just have show Michael up every Jordan. day at work. It gets in your ass all day. Yeah. Yeah, it just calls you Gaislers for 20 hours a day. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> and then, like, puts a cigar out on you and takes all your money on, on the plane when you're playing yeah, poker. It was worth it. Like Friends for life. <laughs> uh, me and Judd Buescher and, of course, MJ. Yeah. Uh, all, would, the, all the ones that I would want to join from, like, when I was a kid were, like, like I, don't, I think the 86 Mets, like, would be scary to hang out with. Because they were always, like, yeah, they, like, partied and stuff, but they also were, like, constantly, like, Getting in like fist fights with off-duty cops, like it wasn't the way that I choose to pursue partying as an ethos. Like, yeah, it was the it was the Paul Pierce partying. Like, it was not yeah, the, it was the not sad. The, it was the sad. Evening. Yeah, it was the sad. It was the yeah. It was the grim men's evening. Grim, grim men's and not evening, indeed. It wouldn't have been like being like a, like an old raider, like where you're you're drinking all the time and you're so full of roids you don't really give a shit what happens to your body. That would feel yeah. pretty good. Leicester City's a great call because I think it would be more fun to be one of those guys now than like in the 70s. I just feel like that's the other part of it too. Like the idea of like joining like the Steel Curtain Steelers, like it would be cool. Like that was a badass team. But like, what did you eat and drink exactly? Like what was the, what pleasures were available to you in the world of like 1976? Yeah, you need like to go you got, back. Like, stagflation, beef, cutty sark. Like it's fine. I just feel like you'd feel shitty all the time. Yeah, maybe you have to go even back further to like the twenties Yankees or something, where you could like you could drink while you played. It was fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was mandatory. We'd be like, hey, please, please have this, please have this liquid cocaine tincture before you go to bat because that's going to give you all the strength and energy you need. Yeah, the owner of your team, who's mostly a Broadway producer, bought it off a guy who was standing on a wagon. We think it's the thing that's going to get the team over the top this year. 
Thang, do you, would you like to answer one more question, or are we good? Let's let's see one more. All right, all right. Uh, hang on a second. Ian writes in, why doesn't the NHL have an ice dancing competition during the All-Star break? Can you think of a good reason why they don't, Thang? <laughs> I'm, I mean, those guys are obviously very skilled skaters. I would love to see <laughs> them... Uh, yeah, do do a bit of fancy footwork. Maybe toss one of the the smaller players in the air very briefly. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the idea of doing the too. like the dirty dancing lift with Theo Fleury or whatever. I think that would be well, terrific. You also you don't have to you don't have to throw them in ice dancing, right? Like oh, that's even I mean. like yeah. is the death spiral is that ice dancing? I don't even think that's ice dancing. I think that's figure skating. Where you know where they like to do with my kid, like I do with my kids, like they just twirl. The woman around until she's like yeah. vert- like she's like totally horizontal on one skate. I don't even think like Torval and Dean had to do that shit. I think they just had to like boogie around to like Boogie Wonderland, like in skates, and and that's as simplistic as I can possibly make it. <laughs> but I, I, none simple. of this is an argument against adding an ice dancing event to it, even if they were just doing silly dances, which I assume they would be. I think that that would be a, a nice. I have no idea what happens at NHL All Star Weekend. Is there like a fastest slap shot or like worst hair there yeah there's a fastest slap shot i think there's some sort of uh goal slap shot accuracy competition things of things skating and um and uh skills competition i think something like that there there might there there might be a speed one i'm not sure i would skill though i want to say i I mean it's a way for me it's a way of life but i know for other people it's it qualifies as a skill i think they should do that (laughs) only Uh, if it's doubles yeah (laughs) Oh, on that note, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up this week. Brandon Nix is the producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to Roth, me, and Thang, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. You just go to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code Distract. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com too. Thang, you have been a lovely guest. And a great accomplice. Please join us again sometime if you win the drawing, all right? Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.